The book of Hebrews, chapter number 9, starting with verse number 14. Hebrews 9 and 14. The writer said, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Now that's a, he put a, a definer in the middle of the first statement and the last statement in this verse. And so sometimes that can make you miss the last statement. So I'm going to read it without that middle part, okay? How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's what he's saying. Verse 15. And for this cause, everybody say, for this cause. That's really important right there. We're getting ready to get some understanding. For this cause. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. I'm going to read this verse again without the part, that he, the definer that he put in the middle. Not taken away from the definer that's in there, but sometimes that causes us to miss the subject at the beginning and the statement at the end. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that my means of death, they which are called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Yeah? I have a question for you. See, some of you aren't excited yet, and I'm not, I'm not trying to hype you up. Don't worry. But the Word of God's exciting when we come to understand the truth of this Scripture. In, anybody in the room got, like, really rich relatives? Okay. Maybe you do. You're like, I'm not raising my hand. They might come after me. No, no. <laughs> You know, it, maybe the word inheritance would mean more to you if you had really rich relatives. I don't know. But that word gets my attention because it's for this cause. For this cause. By means of death, he did it. What was the cause? The cause was that they which are called might receive a promise of not just a big inheritance, an eternal that means a never-ending inheritance. What if I told you this morning that God has an inheritance for you that is never-ending? That's pretty exciting to me, Brother Joel. That I've got an inheritance waiting on me. And so, now, I have three kids, and uh, ain't no one of them going to get rich off of dad. I don't mean that in a negative way, like I'm withholding from them, you understand. I, I, it, I mean, unless the Lord just does something, like somebody hands me the winning lottery ticket, I'm not going to buy them. Right. Is that, I, a little side note, working, working at the bank, we had a, a client who owned a convenience store. And so every time the lottery got really, really big, he would come and make his deposit, and he'd give everybody in the branch a lottery ticket. Well, I was like, man, why is he doing that? 
Well, I learned that his store gets a lot of money if somebody wins it from his store. And so I thought, man, can you imagine that? He'd give me that ticket. I'd win the lottery. Then I'm trying to explain to the church why I'm gambling, buying lottery tickets. <laughs> the Lord knew the quandary that put me in, so I never. But for this cause, there is an eternal inheritance. This is why the resurrection matters. Now, stay with me just a minute here because we miss this in Scripture, but it's so clear if we'll look at the Word of God and let the Word of God reveal itself to us. Now, like I said, I'm, I'm going to use myself because I don't want to be killing any of you off this morning and have you going, man, I went to church and he talked about me, and by the time the service was over, I was dead. <laughs> I have three children. I don't have a lot, but what, what my wife and I do have, the plan is if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, that we would take the things that we have that are temporal in this world and we would transfer them as an inheritance to our children. Any vehicles, any stuff, any, right? And then they could deal with all the junk, right? They could take it to goodwill. They'd be like, why didn't they get rid of it? But no. That's an earthly inheritance. But here's the deal. I can create my last will and testament. And I can put to Joel the fourth, to Autumn, to Ethan. And I can, I can list out the things and, and I can give it to them and say, here you go. Read it. That's your inheritance. And they may read that and go, man, that's exciting. That's exciting. I've been wanting that car. I've been wanting that. I, yeah, I, right? They may see and read about because I let them read my last will and testament. And so they could read it and they could see what their inheritance is. Now, hopefully they're not going, let's kill them off. <laughs> right, right? But I think it's okay for them if they, they could get excited about something. Wouldn't that be okay if they read something and said, man, that's exciting. I'm not wanting dad to kick the bucket, but that's exciting to think that he, he loves me so that he would transition those things to me. Are you with me this morning? Okay, so we're talking about an inheritance. We're talking about receiving an inheritance. But here's the thing. They can read it. They can love it. They can say, I want it. I don't want dad to go. But when he does, we'll look forward to that. Watch. That will and testament doesn't mean a thing to them as long as I'm alive. Right? Doesn't mean a thing. They can read it and say, guess what I'm getting? Well, you're not getting anything because I'm breathing. I'm alive and kicking, so you're not getting anything. Now, it's promised to you. It's promised to you, but it ain't yours yet. For this cause. Are you getting this? For this cause. He is the mediator of the New Testament. That word testament is like a will and testament. For this cause. What's the cause? The cause is that the called of God would receive a promise of an eternal inheritance. You know this is why He wants to give you the kingdom. This is why Jesus could say, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your inheritance. 
guess what? You don't get it unless he dies. You don't get the inheritance unless he dies. I have a question for you. This is not a trick question. Don't overthink it. Who is the author, not the writers, the author? Who is the author of the Old Testament? Most of you said something. I'm a, are we in agreement? It's the Lord God. He is the author of the Old Testament. Amen. Okay, so again, we're just teaching this morning, but we're, gonna, we're talking about why we celebrate the resurrection. He's the author of the Old Testament or the old will and testament. We use the word will more than we do testament now, but I want to make sure we don't disconnect the fact that that's what it is. It's an Old Testament. It's called old. The only reason it's called old is because there's a new one now. But the only way for the Old Testament to be done away with and the new, the fulfillment of the New Testament to come is the one who authored the Old Testament has to die. You with me? Now you see why I went through that natural example first. Because we overcomplicate the Word of God. But the Word of God is very clear about this. The author of the Testament has to die before the New Testament goes into effect. Yes? All right. Verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Verse 17. For a testament goes into effect or is a force after men are dead. That's what I'm talking about. My last will and testament doesn't go into force to my kids until I die. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying. A testament's a force after men are dead. Otherwise, the testament is of no strength at all, has no power, no enforceability, while the testator lives. My kids can have my last will and testament they could hold it and carry it around. They could show it to anybody and everybody. It don't mean a thing but ink on paper until I die. Truth? Doesn't mean anything as long as I'm alive. Whose will is it? Whose testament is it? It's mine. Doesn't become theirs until I die. That's what the writer's saying. Who authored it? I did. If it's my will and testament. I have a question for you. Didn't plan on this, but this is worth sharing. What if I said, you know what? I don't think I want to die. I don't think I want that to happen. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get one of my two boys. And I'm going to tell one of my two boys, one of you two go die. And then I'll put my testament into place, even though I'm still alive. You ever heard of that happening? No, me neither. First Timothy three sixteen. You don't have to turn there. 
I'm not going to read it all, but you can write. I guess you can if you want to. But 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. Who was manifest in the flesh? Who authored the Old Testament? Oh, you're seeing this now, aren't you? God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached on or unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. And he was what? Received up. Who was? Aha. God was. God was manifest in the flesh. God was received up into glory. I have a question for you. Who is this God that Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy about? Does this God that Timothy is reading about from Paul's letter, does this God have a name? What is it? Uh -huh. Jesus. God was manifest in the flesh. The reason he was called the Son of God isn't because he was a second person. He's called the Son of God because he was the manifestation of God. He was born of God. He was all man and he was all God. That's the mystery. doesn't mean we can't figure it out. We can't comprehend it. But it doesn't mean we will never know. We know he was manifest in the flesh. This is why Jesus could say to Philip, when Philip said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Was Jesus confused about who he was? No, he understood in him, Paul said. Colossians, in him, in Christ Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you and I are complete in him. So, let's get back to Hebrews. That was a little side note, but it's worth knowing. Why? Because verse 16 and 17 of Hebrews 9 that we just read. Verse 16, where a testament is, there must of necessity be the death of a testator. So we've established, we agree, in order for the inheritance to pass to the inheritors, the one who authored the will and testament has to die. So how in the world is the Lord God Almighty going to do this? Here's what he's going to do. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John 1, and the Word, or God, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. What glory? It was the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. God, the Creator, the author of the Old Testament, said the only way I can pass an inheritance that I want to give to my people is if I die, I can't die. I'm God. I'm eternal. I'm from everlasting to everlasting. So what must I do? God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. I'm going to go and dwell among them. I'm going to allow myself to die 
so that they can receive an inheritance. It's like, I hate even saying it's like because it's, it's not. This is such a small, minute, uh, it's to minimize what the Lord God has done. It's like if I said, you know what? I am so desirous to pass all that I have to my children that I'm going to submit myself to death in order to be sure they get what I have for them. I don't want to risk outliving them and it being withheld from them. Because he's eternal, he would outlive all of us. And so he knew, I must die so that my testament goes into force and they receive an eternal inheritance. And so the testator died at Calvary. You believe that? By means of death, they might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Somebody hear me this morning. You have accessible to you. If you choose to receive what the author of the Old Testament has done, the Lord Jesus Christ that laid down His life has done, if you will receive what He has done, you and I have an eternal inheritance. That's why He died. He wanted you to receive what He was offering. John 14. Now here's the deal. I love you. I love you, Brother Martin. Love you, Brother Lewis. Sister Julie. Ain't a one of you in my will. Don't leave. You with me? Who gets the inheritance? Who? Children. Children get the inheritance. Children get the inheritance. John 14. This is important. See, I want you to see what Scripture reveals to us. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. John 14 and verse 16, we find Jesus Christ speaking to His disciples. And watch what He says. I will pray the Father, and He'll give you another comforter, that He may abide with you. How long? Forever. Verse 17. Even, this is the comforter, the Spirit of truth. Whom the world, uh, watch this, the world cannot receive. Why can't the world receive it? I'm going to tell you, the world isn't his children. The world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Watch what Jesus, this is Jesus talking. If you got one of those real expensive Bibles that's got black and red ink, it says, these words are in red. Jesus said to his disciples, but you know him. Well, how, do you, how, how do you know him? How do you know the father? How do you know the comforter? How do you know the spirit of truth? He says, you know him because he dwells with you. Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on a minute. He's dwelling with us? Yeah, he's standing there talking to you. He dwells with you, but notice what he says, and shall be 
in you. The comforter. Verse 18. Jesus said, he's talking, right? Now, the verse we just read before, he said, he dwells with you and he shall be in you. But now Jesus switched pronouns, didn't he? Is Jesus confused about his identity? Absolutely not. He knows exactly who he is. He knows he is God manifest in the flesh. This is why he could say, I don't say anything except the Father says it. Watch what he says. I want you to see this verse. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. See that word comfortless right there? You're going to get Greek lesson right here. And I am not a Greek scholar, but thank God for technology that lets you look up these words in the Greek. You know what that word is right there in the Greek? Orphanos. Orphanos. What does that sound like to you? Orphan. That's exactly right. That's exactly what that word means. This, it literally, Jesus literally said, I will not leave you without a parent. I will not leave you without a guide. I will not leave you orphaned. Orphans don't get an inheritance. I'll not leave you. Oh, so you want more clarity? Skip down for sake of time to verse 26. Watch what Jesus, still the same context. You can read all these verses in between, but I want you to see sometimes people pick a verse out. We need to read all of what Jesus, watch what he said. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. The comforter is the Holy Ghost. The name is Jesus. Is that what we just read? He, not it, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. So watch. Skip over to chapter 16 of John. I'm hurrying. You're missing all kinds of good stuff. Go read all these chapters. Watch John 16, verse 7. Jesus is talking here again in your Bible. It's in red. John 16 and 7. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. That word expedient just means it's really beneficial for you. It's in your best interest that I go away. That's what Jesus said. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, who's talking here? And Jesus said, but if I depart, what will he do? I, is that what he said? I will send him unto you. Who's talking? Jesus. Jesus said, I will send him. Now, we just read in John 14, Jesus said, my father will send him. Is Jesus and the Father, are they going to start arguing with each other about who gets to send the comforter? No! Wouldn't that be silly? But this is what people, that's how the scripture gets twisted. 
And the comforter we just read in the verses before in 14 and 18, the comforter is the Holy Ghost is going to be sent in His name. The name is Jesus. He was the one talking. So we know the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost is one name. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. But watch, we're still talking about an inheritance. This is why Jesus said in John 14, or right here in John 16 where we read, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's like me saying to my kids, hey, it's expedient for you that I kick the bucket because there's stuff waiting on you once I go. Don't nobody get any ideas. But does this make sense from the... We, we want to get it all like, oh, man, I don't know. So, no, this is, we need to see what the, this is why Jesus said it's expedient for you. Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. Why does this matter? I'm going to show you why it matters. The comforter is the what? Holy the Holy Ghost. We just read that. The comforter is the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm going to be in you. The Holy Ghost dwells in us. It's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in us. We call it the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Ghost is simply the Spirit of the departed one who departed. The Lord Jesus Christ departed. Luke, Jesus called it the promise of the Father. But watch. He said, it's expedient for you. Brother Lewis, there's something waiting on you. And me. But if the testator doesn't die, I don't receive it. But if the testator dies, it's expedient for me. Because I begin to receive the inheritance once the testator dies. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's expedient for you that I go away. How did he go away? Death, burial, resurrection. Why? Romans 8. Told you, just going to do a little Bible study this morning. You got an inheritance waiting on you. You have an inheritance. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that inheritance is in heaven. Oh, we're not done yet. You got an inheritance that you can get some of right now in this life. I'm going to show you in the Word of God before we finish here in the next couple minutes. Watch. Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. See, when you get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's not meant to just dwell in you. It's meant to lead you and I. We're meant to be led by the Spirit of God. This is His design. This is why He wanted to fill us with the gift of His Spirit so that we would no longer live after our own will, but we would begin to live according to His will. Jesus was our example. He said, I don't speak anything except the Father says it. I don't do anything except the Father does it. What was He saying? He said, I'm so yielded to the Spirit of God that dwells in me, my flesh doesn't dictate what I do. He was our example. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Oh, did you catch that right there? Oh, see if you're paying attention. You caught that. I will not leave you orphans. I'll not leave you without a parent. I'll make you a child. 
How does he make us a child? He fills us with his spirit. We choose to be led by the spirit. Notice it doesn't say as many as are filled with the spirit are the sons of God. It says as many as are led by the spirit are the sons of God. It's possible to be filled with the spirit, but not be led by the spirit. You got kids, you can relate to this on a natural level. There's times where my kids would do exactly what I wanted them to do without me telling them. And there's times they would do opposite of anything I wanted them to do. What were they doing? They were acting according to their will rather than my will. We understand that in the natural. And you get, you've heard of this? Kids that get so much doing their own will that parents disown them. You ever heard that statement before? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, that means those of us that submit to His will for our lives, they are the sons of God. This is why Jesus shares the example in the Gospels where there are people that are standing before Him and they say to Him, Lord Jesus, in Your name we cast out devils. In your name, we healed the sick. In your name, we did many mighty and wonderful miracles. And the Lord said, he will look on them and say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. That literally means you that did your own will. Iniquity is self-will. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Not as many as are filled, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now watch verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but what have you received? Oh, I like that. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out. You know what that means? You were an orphan, Sister Mariah. I was an orphan. But he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because when I go away, what's going to happen is I'm going to come to you. And when I come to you, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. If you'll receive me, I'll baptize you with my spirit. Couldn't send his spirit until he went away. But I'm going to send my spirit to you. And when you receive my spirit, not only does it begin to lead you if you allow it to, but it's the spirit of adoption. When you receive my spirit, it makes you my child. Oh, but watch, it doesn't stop there. We receive the spirit of adoption. Why we cry, Abba, Father, verse 16. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And this is where it gets really good. Watch verse 17. And if children, then what? Ah, there it is. If we're children then we're heirs. That sounds like inheritance to me. What are we heirs of? We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may, we may be also glorified together. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 5. You and I have an inheritance. He made a way by dying so that we could enter into His inheritance. But if He would have died and stayed in the tomb there wouldn't have been a returning spirit to fill us that would make us children. And so when He resurrected, it made a way for His spirit to come. 
Because if he died and there was no resurrection, we have no living God. This is why the writer of Scripture said, if that same spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will also make your mortal body alive. What's he talking about? He's talking about the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And that indwelling spirit is given us because the tomb is empty. That's the avenue to the inheritance. Because the tomb is empty, we can receive the Spirit of God. If the tomb was still full, that means the Spirit didn't have the ability to raise to life. But because the tomb is empty, it tells me they could crucify the man, they could bury the man, but the Spirit of God is eternal. And it rose up again. It calls the man to rise up again. And in the last day, it will cause you and I to rise. If that same Spirit that dwelt in Him dwells in you and I. It makes us heirs with Him. Watch Ephesians 1, verse 5 and 6. I'm hurrying. Having predestinated us, that does not mean like He's already decided who He is and who He isn't going to save. That gets twisted. He has a predetermined end to save everybody. That's His desire. I know that from the Word. He is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's the will of God. But we know the will of God doesn't just happen. We choose to either submit to His will or do our will. So the predestination, He's desiring to save everyone. But that doesn't mean everyone will be saved because some will do their will rather than His. Okay? People have twisted that word and made it say, well, God already knows who he's going to save and who he's not, so it doesn't matter what I do. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He desires to save every soul that will submit to his will. You with me? So he's pre- what did he predestinate us to? The adoption. He wants so much for you and I to have of the inheritance prepared for us that he said, I'm willing to die in order to pass this on. According to the good pleasure of His will, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Skip down to verse number 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. Keep going. Verse 13. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed, notice this, after you believed, not when you believed. That's another deception. After you believed, you were sealed with what? Oh, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of what? promise. You remember for this cause that we read at the beginning in Hebrews 9? That you might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Luke 24, Jesus called it the promise of the Father. Here, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel, you believed, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Next verse. Which is, oh, I like this. Watch. What is this Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost that fills us? 
It is the earnest of our inheritance. It's not even the whole deal. The Holy Ghost, when you and I are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are receiving the earnest of our inheritance. What's the earnest? The earnest is the pledge, the down payment, a deposit that says there's more coming. There's more coming. What happens? You and I receive the Holy Ghost. We learn to walk after the Spirit, to be led by the indwelling Holy Ghost. We learn to hear the voice of the Spirit and be obedient to the voice of the Spirit. We can, by the work of the Spirit through our lives, lay hands on the sick and they recover. We can, by the work of the Spirit in our life, speak a word of faith and God do a supernatural work through us. That's because of the indwelling Spirit. But that is just the earnest. That's just the down payment of our inheritance. That's not the full deal. It's the earnest of our inheritance. And we have the earnest of our inheritance because he died, was buried, and because he did not stay in the tomb. He resurrected so that he could send his spirit, which is the earnest of our inheritance. He sent his spirit to you and I, if we'll receive it, so that we could be called the sons of God. Because he could not fail to keep his word. And his word said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll make you, if you'll receive my spirit, you'll become as sons to me. And that allows you to become joint heirs. And, and how do we know? I'm going to give you a down payment on your inheritance as proof to you that I mean what I say. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And you'll recognize the power of my spirit working through your life. And you'll understand, I'm not doing this. This is a gift from the Father. This is the working of His spirit. I didn't earn this. I didn't do anything to deserve this. But the power of the Spirit of God that operates through my life, that's quite an inheritance. And it's just the earnest. I'm just wanting you to know that there's something prepared for you that's greater than you can fathom. And so I'm going to give you my Spirit as a down payment, a pledge, an earnest of your inheritance. He couldn't have done it if He hadn't have resurrected. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. It purchased for you and I the earnest of our inheritance. It made a way for us to have the earnest of our inheritance. Stand with me this morning as I hurry to finish. Watch this. So here's the question I have for you that I want you to consider here today. If the Holy Ghost, and if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can and you should because it's the earnest of your inheritance. You can and you should. Watch, if it's just the earnest of our inheritance, what's the fullness? What's the fullness? He just sort of messes with, just teases us just a little bit. You have an inheritance prepared for you. If you're willing to be adopted, by the infilling of the Spirit of God. Watch 1 Corinthians 15 and 52. Hear what the Word of the Lord says. 1 Corinthians 15 and 52. I'm making them work back there. 
I could turn up here, but I want you to be able to see it too. In a moment, everybody say in a moment. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. That's definitive. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. Watch verse 53. For this corruptible, what's corruptible? That's this man that can fail, that can break down, can decay, can what? This corruptible is going to put on incorruption. I'll no longer be corruptible anymore. And this mortal, this man that can die, I'm going to put on immortality, brother Joel. I'll live forever. Verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then, everybody say then, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I'm talking to you about the fullness of an inheritance. You won't see it in this life, but when that trumpet sounds, if that same spirit that dwelt in Christ dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. And when that trumpet sounds, you'll lift off of this earth and we will meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Holy Ghost is just the earnest. You say, okay, is there more? There is more. First John, last place I want to read. First John chapter 3, verse 1 telling you the Holy Ghost is just the earnest of the inheritance. I want to be led by the Spirit because I want the fullness of the inheritance. I don't want to live according to my own self-will and miss out on the fullness of the inheritance. Amen? You know, if I told my three kids, this is not true, this is hypothetical. If I told my three kids, I got $300 million and every one of you get $100 million when I die. As long as you're willing to live according to my will. You think they'd have any motivation to live according to my will instead of theirs? Now that's temporal, carnal, nothing but money that's going to pass away that has no value. But we as children of God argue with God about living according to his will. Which tells me we just don't understand the inheritance. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Watch 1 John 3 and 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, everybody say we, we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it knew him not. Remember when we read that earlier? You know me, but they don't know me. That's what John's talking about. John's pointing back to what Jesus told him. Watch verse 2. Beloved, now, everybody say now. Now. He's speaking of people that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's saying now. He's not talking about down the road somewhere in the future. He said now are we the sons of God. But watch what he says. It does not yet appear what we shall be. 
He's talking about there's an inheritance I don't fully understand yet. I know I'm already a son of God because I've received the earnest of my inheritance. When I received the Holy Ghost, Ephesians 1, I received the earnest of my inheritance. But John said, now I'm the son of God. But we don't yet know. It hasn't appeared what we shall be. But watch. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Here's a revelation for you. Don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. We ain't like him yet. I know that's just terrible English. We are not like him yet. Sorry, my dear English teacher over here. We are not like him yet. But we receive the earnest of the inheritance. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. So that when the trumpet sounds... We are changed and we become like him. When he appears, we'll be like him for we shall see him as he is. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. Because the resurrection, Brother Joel, gave me an earnest of my inheritance. I don't just call you say, man, that sounds sort of selfish. Hey, there ain't one of us in here that's living for God just because he knows that about how he framed us. Now we lose our life for his sake, but we understand in losing our life for his sake, we actually find it. That's what he said. And so we come to know if you, when you receive the Holy Ghost, the Bible says it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. If that's just the earnest of the inheritance, I can't even imagine what the fullness is going to be like. Is that little emoji mind blown? I want to flash that little emoji right there. We celebrate the resurrection because it gives us the earnest of our inheritance. Would you talk to the Lord right there where you are right now? I've sought to deliver to you the word of the Lord this morning. And if you have not been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can be and should be. And you need to be because it's the earnest of your inheritance. Anything less is living beneath the inheritance. It is the spirit of adoption. It's the spirit of adoption. It's what makes us the sons of God. Jesus, we worship you. I pray open our understanding. Let your word reach into our spirit. Let the word of God reach into our life today. Let your word arrest our attention, not the intellect of men, but I pray the depth of our spirit. Your word, let it discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Oh, would you cry out to him today? Forget the person to your left or right. Forget the person in front of or behind you. There is an earnest of inheritance made available to you and I because of an empty tomb. Because of an empty tomb, 
There is a way to be adopted and purchased our adoption. If we'll receive of his spirit after you believe, there's an opportunity to receive the spirit. That's exactly what was being spoken of by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19 when he came to those at Ephesus and he asked them the question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They were already believers, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. And they said, we haven't heard about the Holy Ghost. Paul said, what were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. And he preached to them Jesus Christ. And when he did, they were rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he laid hands on them and prayed for them. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the earnest of their inheritance. They were already believers, but they hadn't received the earnest of their inheritance. They hadn't been adopted yet. Come on, there's a place beyond believing, and it's adoption. There's a place beyond believing. It's the infilling of the Spirit of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 